Good afternoon, everyone. Before we commence this service of thanksgiving for the life of Dr. Bill Woods, I'd like to welcome you. We appreciate your attendance. We thank you for making the effort to be with us today. That is greatly appreciated. We also want to welcome those who are watching online. And it is our prayer that the Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified through this service of thanksgiving. There are a couple of messages that I have to pass on before we commence our service. First of all, we've received a note from the Reverend Patrick Baker on behalf of Grace Free Presbyterian Church in Newtonards. Reverend Baker says, Dr. Woods has been under God, a source of inspiration to many believers worldwide, a humble man, yet courageous for the Lord. He was a constant source of encouragement to all who met him. He is dearly missed by all who knew him, and yet we take comfort knowing that he received that incorruptible inheritance earned by Christ. May the Lord draw near during this tribute service and through the lives and many other young people, young people, men and women, be called to likewise serve as Bill did. We've also received an apology from Mr. Paul Clark of UTV. Paul writes, I would wish to apologize for not being with you, but please pass on my apologies as Bill and his ministry has had a lasting effect on me and my family. Dr. Woods changed our world. Yours sincerely, Paul Clark. I also want to welcome Caroline O'Rourke, who is representing the hospital where Dr. Woods worked in Rio Branco. Caroline's mother worked in the hospital with Dr. Woods for over 40 years, and we welcome Caroline. A special welcome also to Mr. Kenneth Orr, the Honorary Consul of Brazil in Northern Ireland. We really appreciate all of you taking the time to be with us today. One last announcement. There will be a retiring offering taken up as you leave the service, and after expenses, all of that offering will go to the Acre Gospel Mission, and we think that that is most appropriate. Would you turn with me now, please, in your order of service to the opening hymn? It is hymn number 672 in our book. The hymn there is a call come ringing o'er the restless wave. Send the light. Send the light. After we hear the introduction, we will stand to sing.
At this point, I'm going to call upon the Reverend John Greer, the minister in Ballymena Free Presbyterian Church and the clerk of our presbytery to lead us in prayer. And then immediately after the Reverend Greer prays, Pastor Victor Maxwell, the president of the Acre Gospel Mission, will come forward to pay a tribute to Dr. Woods. Can we all bow together, please, and let us unite our hearts in prayer. Let's all pray. Our eternal God and our blessed Heavenly Father, we bow in your holy presence this afternoon in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have been singing of that blessed gospel light, and we thank Thee for Him who said Himself, I am the light of the world. And we rejoice, O Lord, in all that Christ is, all that Christ has done, that He is indeed light unto men's souls. We thank Thee that unto those who are His light has risen in the darkness. We rejoice that in a world of, of woe, a world of sin, a world that is fallen, man depraved and guilty, that there is a message that brings deliverance to the soul the glorious message of the finished work, the message of the one sacrifice for sin that the Savior offered when He died, the just for the unjust. And on that ground we approach Thee. We rejoice, O Lord, that there are many gathered here today who have come to know the Savior, who are walking in the light, who have had their minds illuminated. We can thank, Lord, of those words of Paul when he spoke of God shining into our hearts to bring the glorious light of the gospel. We thank Thee for that message that our brother, Dr. Bill Woods, preached. And we thank Thee for all of those who were brought out of darkness into light through his labor, through his ministry. Lord, we meet here today to remember Thy servant, to pay tribute to him. And we pray for all those who will take part that Thou wilt give help from heaven, that each one will know the blessed power and enablement of the Holy Spirit to speak not only of our dear brother, but of his Savior. O Lord, we want Christ to be exalted. We know this would have been Bill's desire. We thank Thee for all that Christ made him, the grace of God that wrought in him, saved him as a young lad, and then took him forward into various areas of missionary work and ministry, and how we thank Thee for all that the Savior did through His servant. And we rejoice, O Lord, that there are many, many souls, we firmly believe, who will rise up on that great day and call Him blessed. Lord, how we thank Thee for His labors, especially in Brazil, all that He did there, not only as a preacher of the gospel, but as a, a medical doctor. Lord, we marvel at the stories that we hear. We give Thee the praise for the gifts You gave Your servant, for the way in which You enabled him to minister to those who had no hope, not only with regard to spiritual matters, but with regard to the physical dimension. And Lord, we thank Thee for how Thou didst bring healing to multitudes through the labors of this dear man of God. And Lord, we therefore come to pray that in all that happens here today, as we remember our dear brother Bill, that his Savior will indeed again, be, we say, be lifted up. 
may he be glorified. Lord, we pray that the work that Mel did and all the labor into which he entered will live on and that there will be many, many more who through his servant, though he being dead, yet may he speak and may others be brought to know the Lord Jesus and be brought into the family of God. And so, Lord, we thank Thee for the triumph of the gospel in Bill Woods, and we thank Thee for the triumph of the gospel through his labors. And we pray, Lord, that Thou wilt take all of our praise and our, and our adoration for all that Thou hast done through Thy dear servant. We thank Thee that he's now in heaven. We rejoice that he has seen the King. We thank Thee that he has received that reward that matters more than anything else. He has heard the well done my good and faithful servant. And so, Lord, we pray that Thou will take our praise, continue with us now in this very meeting, work in hearts. Remember any here who need the Lord. May Thy Spirit deal with them. May they be drawn to the man of Calvary. And may Christians be encouraged, and even those among us who may be wrestling with the call of God for future service, may guidance be given today. Bless thy servant who will bring the closing message and anoint him with power and use him as he preaches the Word of God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and for his sake and for God's eternal praise and glory. Amen. Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. And on behalf of Acre Gospel Mission, I want to thank the Reverend Brown for organizing this memorial service, and indeed the kindness, as I've just heard, that the returning offering will go to the mission. In Agri Gospel Mission, we've had some of God's choicest servants over many years. Most of them today are in heaven. And we certainly as a mission have been honored to have amongst our number Dr. Bill Woods. Audrey and I have known Bill Woods for more than 60 years. We worked with him for 58 years when we joined him in Kanatama. To try and sum up all of that time in a few moments is very difficult. It reminds us of the story that Bill told of a man who baked bread for his wife. The only thing is, when he came to baking the bread, he didn't know how much yeast to put in, so he, he put the whole packet in. He sat at his wife's bedside, and when she smelt the, bed break, uh, the bread baking, uh, she said, you're not making bread for me. He says, I am. He said, the problem is I didn't know how much yeast to put in, so I put it all in. And just then there was a mighty bang. And the husband ran down the stairs and uh, the wife shouted, can you not keep it in the oven? He says, I can't keep it in the kitchen. <laughs> well, it's a bit like that and coming to tell the story of Bill Woods over all of these years. As missionaries, we follow very much the pattern of the Apostle Paul, who was possibly the greatest missionary who ever lived. All of his letters were missionary letters written to missionary churches, most of whom he had established. In the letters of the Apostle Paul, I find that in the salutation, the entrance to the letters, he uses some words that sum up the Christian experience. They are like pillars of our Christian experience. He speaks of grace, of faith, of love, and of hope. And I say that sums up the Christian experience because when I come to think of Bill Woods, he certainly was a man saved by the grace of God. 
Bill was not born into a Christian home. He was born nearby here in Ravenhill Avenue, Randall Street. But he wouldn't remember much about that, born on the 5th of October, 1937. And shortly after his birth, war broke out. So he and the family were evacuated to Ballygown, to what was known as the Owl Schoolhouse. The black granite building is right there in the middle of Ballygown. I think it's three, four stories high. They were evacuated to there. The, the building on one side had apartments, flats as we would call them. On the other side was the school. I say the family went there. Mr. Woods had volunteered for the Navy and spent the five years of the war in the Navy and was decorated by King George VI for his bravery and gallantry in uh, putting out fires and as a gunner. But Bill and his brothers, they not only lived at the old schoolhouse while they went to school there. And you can imagine all the kids on the foreground of the, the schoolhouse, why that was their playground. And they enjoyed it very much, and especially boy, Bill's brothers, who, who loved a bit of a joke, as Bill did. It wasn't a joke one day when they uh, miskicked the ball, and instead of going to the goal, it went through the schoolhouse window. And Bill's brother, anxious to see what he had smashed, he got a tin and stood on top of the tin, and when he looked in, there was the headmaster sitting in the bath. And um, he jumped away from the, the window, and the, the master was quite annoyed because he had been seen in the bath, but he didn't know who saw him in the bath, and the woods kept that secret for a long time. The seeds of the gospel, I said, saved by grace, the seeds of the gospel in Bill's life were sown over a number of years. He attended the uh, Tully Gervin Sunday School, and there he was taught the Scriptures. As he came back down to Belfast to live in Houston Drive, he went to the 30th BB, and they had a faithful uh, Bible class teacher who every week taught the Scriptures. Added to that, Bill attended the mission of Boland and Grant out of Ballygown, and and again, a mission at McQuiston with Oswald J. Smith. And he knew in his heart that he was a sinner and needed Christ as Savior. When his mother opened a grocery shop down here on the Ravenhill Road, a lady came in one day and invited Bill and his brother Brian to go and hear Dr. Paisley in the newly formed Free Presbyterian Church here on the Ravenhill Road. Bill went. He was absolutely captivated by Dr. Paisley's dynamic preaching. Dr. Paisley on that wide platform that they had, he, he didn't stand at the reading desk. He was up and down that platform and sometimes down the aisle pleading with people to come to Christ. Thank God, one night, Bill, knowing that he was a sinner and needed Christ as Savior, why he responded to the call of God. And there, uh, Mr. Weatherall, Eric Weatherall, led Bill to personal faith in Jesus Christ. He looks back and say, Oh, happy day that fixed my choice. On thee, my Savior and my God, well may this glowing heart rejoice to tell its raptures all abroad. Bill Woods didn't know then that he would spend the rest of his life telling of the raptures of the gospel. As a matter of fact, for the first few days, he never told anybody. He never told his mother and father. He went home. Having received the Savior, why... He never said to his mother, but three days after he got home, his mother said to him, Bill, what's wrong with you? Or rather, what's right with you? You've changed. Have you become a Christian? 
It was then that Bill confessed that he was a Christian. He tried to persuade his brother Brian to come back to the meetings. But Bill was a solitary light in that family for many years. At that particular time, in Dr. Pacey's ministry, there was a tremendous evangelistic verver. Week after week, five, ten people were being converted. And in the area of that conversion, why, there was a whole group of young people. And Bill, very soon, he joined amongst the Young People's Fellowship, and God began to speak into his heart. Out at the Mount Marion Free Presbyterian Church, Fred and Ina Orr had a mission, and Bill was doing door-to-door work. He was only 16, 17 years of age, but on the doors, rapping and witnessing to people about the gospel, and a number of people were converted in those days, 1952 that was, uh, 1953 rather. Because I know Fred had taken part and visited the church in the Ravenhill Road, then Bill went to their farewell. They'd been accepted by Acre Gospel Mission in March 1954 to go to Brazil. And Bill was amongst the crowd. On that night, the 18th of March 1954, when Fred spoke and Ina sang. As she stood there, she was only 29 years of age, facing the rigors of Brazil away in the heart of the Amazon. And she stood and sang these words, O Lord, this world is lost in sin, and few there are who care, many of whom profess thy name. No burden will help to bear. We need a passion, Lord, for souls to bring the lost back to thee. Our hearts must be stirred until all have heard, at least once of Calvary. Let me burn out for thee, dear Lord. Burn and burn out for thee, Don't let me rust or my life be a hindrance, my God, to thee. Take me and all I have, dear Lord, and get me so close to thee till I feel the throb of the great heart of God and my life burns out for thee. It was only two and a half months later that Ina, it took them six weeks to get to Brazil and instead of getting to the Boca do Acre, two and a half thousand miles up the Amazon, uh, now, in those days, we used to fly in the old Catalinas. Catalina that landed on the river. You felt you were in a biscuit tin when you were coming down onto the water. But they couldn't get the Catalina, so they had to go on an old paddle steamer. And from Manaus to Boca do Acre would take three and a half weeks. The story is long, but sum it up. On that, on that journey, alas, Ina got fever, typhoid. Fred knelt at her bedside every day and prayed that God would spare her. But on Friday evening at 8 o'clock on the 4th of June, she passed into the presence of her Lord. You can imagine here in East Belfast, and especially here on the Ravenhill and Cassidy Road, when word came home that Ina Orr, at 29 years of age, had died in the Amazon at the town called Labria, a town where the gospel had never had never been preached. As a matter of fact, Ina's death was the seed that would plant the gospel in that, ch- in that town, and today there's a thriving church there, but it was a big price to pay. Ananias was told by the Lord, speaking of Paul, he is a chosen vessel unto me, for he will suffer many things for my name. We speak of being saved to serve. They were saved to suffer when word of that came home to Bill Woods, Bill Woods said, Lord, I want to burn out for thee. 
And at that, that same time came Jesse Eads from the Cape Fair Islands. Jesse was one of the Munn family. I think there were 10 children in the Munn family. Two boys were killed in the war. And Mrs. Munn said, two of my children gave their lives for King George. The rest of my family will give their lives for King Jesus. And so it was that seven of the family, Janet and Emma, Robert, Jesse, Lottie, Annie and uh, Margaret was, I've fixed the names now, they all got involved in Christian work and Bill, when he listened to Jesse Eads speak of the need of the mission field, he said, Lord, I want to be that servant. Hard on the heels of that came Molly Harvey. Molly had come home from Brazil and the news of Fred had shaken up the Christian community and Molly, a very acceptable speaker, was invited to the old Ravenhill Church. That night she spoke on those words in John 5:35, for he was a burning and a shining light. She said of the Amazon, the darkness, the spiritual darkness of ignorance because they didn't know the idolatry because of superstition. But she says the greater the darkness, the brighter the light. And so she brought from Brazil a little lamparina. Of the lamparina, she said, John the Baptist was a burning and shining light. To shine, you must burn. And to burn, there must be oil. And so, she said, the oil is, is the Holy Spirit, God within your heart. And as you would burn for Jesus Christ, why the light of the gospel. And after the meeting, Bill Wood said, I want to be a lamp just like that. He went home and told his mom and dad that he didn't want to go to university. He didn't want to go to Stranmullis to be a teacher. He had qualified for those. He didn't want that. He wanted to be a missionary. And his father sarcastically said, the mission field? Why, Bill, you'll be lucky if you ever see the potato fields. It stuck with Bill. But he applied to the White College in Glasgow, was accepted, and completed two years training in Glasgow. During his two years training, he fell in love with a lovely Scots girl, and together they hoped to go to Brazil. They applied to the mission, Acre Gospel Mission, were accepted. But the mission felt that Bill, only 20 years of age, should do a, a year in North Antrim. And so he went and preached with Billy McGee in North Antrim. It was almost a calamitous time because the Craig's Mission Hall, Bill, a city man, didn't know that you couldn't put petrol in a fire. And Having lit the potbelly stove and it wasn't lighting too well, he poured a can of petrol onto it. It not only nearly burned down the hall, but it took away his eyebrows and half of his hair, and Bill refused to go over the door for more than a week. Is it any wonder we used to nickname Bill Calamity Bill, because if it could go wrong, it did go wrong with Bill. When Bill was in North Antrim, he got a letter from the girlfriend to say that it was all off. His heart was broken. It was a formidable thing still to go to Brazil, but go to Brazil he did. In spite of the fact that others tried to dis dissuade him, stay here at home, but he went to Brazil August 1960. We were all at the boat to see him off and sing, God be with you till we meet again. When Bill got to Brazil, of course, the first thing he had to do was learn the language, and that can be an embarrassing thing. Some Portuguese speakers are here today. And Bill, having taken out a new radio, he needed batteries for his radio, so he said to Molly Harvey, how can I ask for batteries? Molly wrote it out for him. O senhor tem pilha, o senhor tem. That is, 
do you have any batteries? The only thing is that with Molly's writing, the P for Pilia looked like an F. And instead of Bill asking for Pilias, he was asking for Filias. Pilia means battery, Filia means daughter. You can imagine it when Bill got to the shop and said to the man, do you have any daughters? The man said, yes, I do. He said, I'd like to buy six of them, please. Eh? <laughs> Maybe for that reason, he was never married, Bill, in his life, but he went to live with Fred Orr and learn the language with Fred Orr in Labria. And then the door opened to Kanotama. Kanotama is a very remote town and very impoverished in those days. It was there that Audrey and I joined him. And before joining, we went with Bill to Harley Street in London to do a course on leprosy. Bill was persuaded he needed to do something. During Bill's time in, in Kanotama, a boy from across the road arrived one day with a very hot plate in his hand. And, and as he handed it to Bill, Bill was going to lift it, but his hands were burned. But he couldn't understand, how can the boy take it with his bare hands? Bill, after the boy had left, got medical books down and began to read and found that the boy had leprosy. And Bill thought, why should that happen? The ulnar nerve here had broken because of the leprosy infection. And when that breaks, it, uh, well, you move the, the motor nerve to move this and you end up with a claw hammer hand. So likewise, it happens in the leg when the nerve is broken, then they get a dropped foot and uh, they stand on glass. They don't feel the glass because it's not only the movement that's gone, but sensational feeling. And so when people would put their hand on a hot plate, they can't feel it. Hands were away, feet were away because of leprosy. And Bill felt, I need to do something. Besides that, a, a canoe had arrived from the upper Mokoween or another river. Six days, they brought this boy on a canoe. He had snake bite. Bill at that time was asked to go down to the Mokoween, was about two hours downriver from where we lived. And when he got there, across the river, he could hear the cries and the screams of this boy. When he got to the house, he felt absolutely inadequate. The only thing he had was aspirin. But what good was aspirin to a boy who was dying of snake bite? When he got into the house, he said to the man, I'm a missionary. I'm going to pray for you. The family looked aghast and the boy cried, I don't want you to pray. I want you to do something. I want you to do something. And even as Bill was praying, the boy was still crying out, will you do something, do something? And at nine o'clock that night, from the eerie forest that is silent and the quiet flow of the river, Bill was making his way upriver and he could hear the screams of the boy echoing into the night. It broke his heart when he saw, them, saw the, the box, a coffin we would call it, just a wooden box, being carried up the street the next day. And Bill determined in his heart, I'm going to do something. Audrey and I lived with him in this time when he was studying physics and chemistry and other things together to get entrance into university. I traveled with Bill on the rivers during those times. Um, he was a worker. Uh, there's no stone in Kanatama. We had to travel about six hours to where the stone, and the stone was six feet under the water. We had traveled in six hours. We'd put our hammocks up in the jungle, light a fire to keep the wild animals away. Next morning early, we were diving to break the stone and fill the canoe. One day going up that river Mokoween, I was at the front of the boat and Bill was down at the back and the flow of the, the current of the river was fast and it caught our canoe and, was, and 
heading his back down the river, and, and there was a massive tree uh, impaled in the middle of the river. And, and as we got near, we were going to hit the tree, and I shouted, Bill, Bill, we're going to hit the tree. He shouted, jump overboard, jump overboard. There are crocodiles and snakes and piranha. And he, no, no, I, I waited, and when we got to the tree, the boat hit the tree. My cups and saucers were flying everywhere. I lost my shoe, and I shouted, Bill, I've lost my shoe. He shut it back, I've lost my teeth. Eh? That was Bill Woods. Bill Woods didn't count himself as anything. He, as Paul Clark has said, is probably one of the most humble men you could have met. It was in the providence of God, even though he failed his first exam in the university, that the university still had another three places, and Bill applied and came out of 100 people in first place and got into university. During those years in the Acre Gospel Mission, I've got to say, in the past, we are a bit concerned because Bill took leave of absence from the mission, and for six years, he provided for himself. He, he bought land and built houses, and just to bring in his income, and the Free Presbyterian Missionary Council were kind and generous to him through those days. But for six years, he studied medicine, and when Bill graduated, while all the other graduates stood and applauded Bill. Bill, though he was studying medicine, and he would study on the two, three o'clock in the morning, him and another doctor and another friend of ours, they would study all through the night, and, and Bill graduated. And after he graduated, he went then to Rio de Janeiro to study ophthalmic surgery. From there, he went to India to study with the famed Sir Paul Brand to learn more about leprosy and reconstructive surgery. And, and for the next 35 years, Bill employed all of those skills, bringing healing to so many people. Where people had lost limbs, he taught them how to improvise so that they could eat their meals. Where many people had lost sight because of leprosy, uh, repeated infection brings so much scar tissue. At first, Bill learned how to take a nerve from the mouth that would go up to the eye so that every time you opened your mouth, you closed your eyes. If you wanted to wink, Bill would say, you have to open your mouth on one side. But Bill learned to do that, and then he learned how to remove the scar tissue. One day I, I was at the hospital, I was carrying in the microscope for him, and this lady came out, and when she saw me, she turned away. When she saw Bill, she just threw her arms around Bill and gave him a smack of a kiss on the cheek, and she said to me, this man for me is an angel. I was blind for nine years, and he gave me my sight back again. That's why we called the book Angel of the Amazon. There was another man, and uh, he was blind for nine years, and he said to Bill, I can't wait to two o'clock this afternoon. And Bill said, for why? Well, he says, my wife's coming. I haven't seen her for nine years. Well, Bill says, if you don't like what you see, I can't reverse the operation. Uh, that's how Bill got through this. Another lady came one day, Dr. Leia, I'm not sure, Caroline Daki, Dr. Leia Davano, I'm speaking Portuguese now, sorry, uh, Dr. Leia was in the, the hospital with him and there was, it was the, the eye disease, there was a long line of people and it's almost like, uh, you know, what do they call it, well, the motor cars, it, they all go through in the line and this lady came in and they took her name and they said, sit down. They got the microscope, looked at their eyes, said what to be done. If you stay the afternoon, we'll do the eye surgery in the afternoon. They did the eye surgery, removed the cataract, and the woman could see wonderfully. 
And then she said, but, but will this help the rash under my arm? It didn't come to see about my eyes. It came to see about the rash. Bill's was a very busy life and yet a very fruitful life. I said, saved by grace, lived by faith, faith for the pathway, faith for God's provision, faith for God's protection. During all the time that Bill was in the Amazon, he flew in these small planes, as many of us did. Nine of the pilots with whom Bill flew were all killed in accidents, and yet God preserved Bill. In the state of Acre, there are 37 small tributaries of the great Amazon. Bill has traveled on them all, not only reaching houses at the side of the river, but going inland, sometimes wading in water to his shoulders. And why? To look for leprosy patients and to leave the gospel. He suffered a lot for the Savior, and yet God preserved him. Bill was saved by grace, lived by faith, served by love. He loved the Savior. It was, as the Apostle Paul said, for his name's sake he did it. He loved not only the Lord, he loved the lost. And there are people here in the meeting today that Bill led to personal faith in Christ many years ago. And there are hundreds across the Amazon that Bill led to personal faith in Jesus Christ. He loved the Lord, he loved the lost, he loved his leprosy patience. And I can tell you this, that Bill earned as a doctor, but what he earned, he gave to the patients, to the poor, to build houses, to treat the sick and help the children. Just in September now, we got word from Brazil that five young missionaries were in, a, were in an accident and three of them were killed. They were with YWAM, Youth for a Mission. When I sent the report to Bill, just in September now, he sent them a check for 2,000 pounds to help their families in their need. That was Bill Woods. What he had, he gave. I have gone over my time, but let me just say this. Saved by grace, lived by faith, served by love, he died in the blessed hope of the gospel. Over these last number of years, it's been a heartache to say goodbye to some of our close colleagues I've preached at many of their funerals. I said to Bill, when I come home, well, Bill, there's another one gone, and we're in the waiting room. <laughs> he said, you might be in the, reading, in the waiting room. I'm on the runway. I'm ready for takeoff. Can I say that's how Bill Woods lived? He was always ready for takeoff. And therefore, we are grateful to the people of the Ulster Hospital who cared for him for David Gibson, who was at his side constantly, for Reverend David here, who was with him when he passed into the presence of the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, I have finished my course. I have fought the fight. I have run the race. Henceforth there is laid up for me an OBE? No. Honorary citizenship to Brazil? No. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge shall give me on that day, and not to me only, but unto all those who love his appearing. We thank God for the memory of Dr. Bill Woods, and I omit it to say, we are grateful to Roy and Dorothy Bird, who were like parents to Bill over many years, members of this church. 
and also to others who, who helped him along the way, Bill really appreciated all the support and encouragement he received from you all. May God help us to live like Bill lived, saved by grace, walk by faith, serve by love, and go to be with Christ in the blessed hope of the gospel. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Pastor Maxwell, for that very fitting tribute. I'm now going to call upon Keith and Karen Lindsay to come and sing. Keith is the director of the Acre Gospel Mission. And then after that, the Reverend David Park will read the scriptures. As we already heard, Bill Woods lived his life for God, and he lived his life to serve the Savior with all of his heart. And what a challenge that is to all of us today, whether young or old, that we will live our lives to serve him. And this song, whenever we were praying about what we would sing today, this song uh, came to our minds. It was written by a friend of ours, and the words couldn't be more apt for Bill Woods today, to live as Christ to die is gain. Take our riches and our fame, take all earthly and vain praise, take it all till none remain, to live is Christ, to die is gain. To know Jesus, I'll pay the cost. Everything I can has lost. Yes, I'll gladly bear his name. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Take all trophies, every praise, all achievements of my pride. Take my breath, you can take my life. It's a living sacrifice. To know Jesus, I'll pay the cost. Everything I cut is lost. Yes, I'll gladly bear his name. To live is Christ, to die is gain. When this world has passed away, like the grass and flowers fade, with the ransomed saints I'll sing To live is Christ, to die is gain To live is Christ, to die is gain To know Jesus I'll pay the cost Everything 
I count his laws. Yes, I'll gladly bear his name. To live is Christ, to die is gain. To know Jesus, I'll pay the cost. Everything I count is lost. Yes, I'll gladly bear his name. To live is Christ, to die is gain. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Yes, I'll gladly bear your name. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Yes, my Jesus, my only aim, to live is Christ, to die is gain. For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So fitting when we think of our brother Bill Woods. And uh, such a, a lovely tribute, brother. Uh, you covered so much when we think of the life that he lived to the glory of God. I want to thank also Mr. Brown and the martyrs for organizing this memorial service today. Very fitting, for Bill was a martyr's missionary. And he loved this church. He loved this congregation. And for us personally, he's been our missionary hero for many, many years. Susan was from the martyrs here, and uh, our family loved him. He spent a lot of time in our home, and some of the members of the family got to visit him in the land of Brazil as well. So we have lovely memories. I want to read a passage of Scripture from Philippines chapter 2. It's a portion that we read this morning at our early morning prayer meeting, and as we did so, I thought, how, how fitting, how appropriate, and uh, I want to read it even a memory of the Lord's dear servant. If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The key verse, uh, I believe, being let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, and that was the mind of great humility. 
and that was Bill Woods. Everyone that knew him from the martyrs right out through the mission he worked to the mission field. And I know Caroline, your, your mother, that worked for so many years with Bill. And uh, Tom and Lisa Marr, who can't be here today, who lived in the same city and worked with him. Uh, he lived that life of humility. And I was also thinking of his mother text. And I see, brother, you have it on the back of the order of service from James 4 and 17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And the good that Bill Woods did will live on for many, many years. For he being dead, yet speaketh. And he leaves a tremendous legacy behind. And what a privilege it has been for us, for me personally, to call him my friend. He made an impact upon my life and upon my family. And we thank God for every remembrance that we have of Dr. Bill Woods. We used to ring each other. I would say, hello, doctor. And he would say, hello, your reverence. <laughs> so that's how we knew. And just thinking about a wee girl in Brazil, the first time that we visited, I knew that Bill would have been out money. So we left a little gift. It wasn't very much. But some weeks later, I got a letter from a little girl in Brazil. Thank you, Pastor David, for buying my school bag. And that's how Bill did things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Reverend Park. Please turn in the order of service to the next hymn, and we will sing far, far away in heathen darkness dwelling, millions of souls forever may be lost. We will stand as we sing the words of this hymn.
At this point, I'm going to introduce the remaining participants, the Reverend Colin Mercer, the minister of Oma Free Presbyterian Church and chairman of our mission board, will read the scriptures. And following that, the McGill family will come to sing. And then the Reverend Brown, the minister here in the Martyrs Memorial and deputy moderator of Presbytery, will bring the closing word. I just introduce these three different folk in that order. Turning for our second scripture reading to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and commencing to read at verse 1, I do appreciate the opportunity on behalf of the mission board to participate in the service this afternoon. We do thank God for Dr. Woods, for the example he has set, the encouragement he has been, and we trust the Lord will bless our missionary endeavor as it continues in these times. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read from the first verse of this chapter. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing as God, he also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labour, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Amen. We pray the Lord will bless his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. Oh 
thank everyone that has taken part already. All of the contributions have been most valuable, fitting, and I know Bill would have given his approval 
even though he would have been saying at the same time, what was all the fuss about? I didn't want it to be that way at all. But a testimony to the way in which he did want things was he had a very private funeral. When I said to him, when he was giving me instructions about that, but Bill, how are we going to do that? Hundreds of people will want to come to your funeral. Always said, have a Thanksgiving service afterwards if that's what you want. And that's what we're doing today. And that is very fitting indeed. We're going to think of that great white city that has just been sung about in the remainder of our meeting here today. We're turning to one verse only, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, where Paul is writing and says, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Let's briefly pray. Heavenly Father, we need Thy help. And we pray that in the ministry of Thy Word today, in the closing part of this meeting, that Thy name will be honored, that Christ, the Christ that Bill Woods loved and served, will be presented as the only Savior of sinners, the one who shed His lifeblood for our ransom, the one of whom we pray all will say today, this is the Savior for me. Come and answer prayer. Give help, therefore, in the proclamation of Thy truth. We ask it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In terms of splendor and magnificence, nothing in our modern world could ever match the ancient city of Corinth. Standing on a narrow piece of land washed by seas on either side, the one sea would have been bringing in the commerce of Europe, the other one, the commerce of Asia, with a magnificent burden of columns and statues and towers and arches and temples, showcasing there in Corinth the beauties of classic sculpture and architecture. Anybody who came to Corinth, their breath was immediately taken away. So when Paul is writing the words of our text today, he is not addressing a squad of rough, common rustics, men and women who had never seen anything grand in their lives. These men and women have spent their whole lives surrounded by the sounds of the best music, the most beautiful pictures and sculptures and architecture and Corinthian brass that have been molded and shaped into their chariot wheels and towers and gateways. And yet, Paul says, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. In effect, Paul is saying this, you Corinthians, you think this is a splendid city, and it is. You imagine you've heard all the sweet sounds, you've seen all the beautiful sights, but I tell you, all that you have ever experienced is nothing. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. 
the truth is, we are applying this verse to that pearly white city. Heaven surpasses by far anything we've ever seen or known here on earth. And therefore, my first comment today is that while we live in the world, we can get no real idea of the splendors of heaven. While we live in the world around us, we can get no real idea of the splendors of heaven. John was sent on a mission to describe them, and he says, The twelve gates are twelve pearls, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. He goes on, The foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. And we find that detail in the final book of the Bible, penultimate chapter, Revelation 21, the verse 21. And as we stand looking over John's shoulder and gazing through this telescope of John's, we see a blaze of amethyst and pearl and emerald and sardonyx and sapphire. There's a mountain of light to be seen, a whole cataract of color, a sea of glass, and a city shining like the sun. John tells us, look again. And we see thrones, the thrones of the prophets and of the patriarchs, the thrones of the angels, the thrones of the apostles, the thrones of the martyrs, the throne of Jesus, that ultimate throne, the throne of God. John tells us, look again. And we see this great procession of the redeemed passing. Christ Jesus on a white horse leading the march. All the armies of salvation following on. Cavalcade passing. Age following age. Europe and Asia and Africa and Australia and North and South America all pressing into line. Generations of men and women before the flood. Those following generations that came after the flood. And as our Lord Jesus Christ rises at the head of that great host and he waves his sword to signal final victory, all crowns are lifted, all flags are unfurled, all chimes ring out, and all hallelujahs chanted, and everybody cries, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Every house is a palace. Every step that day, a triumph. Every meal, a banquet. Every stroke from the tower, like a wedding bell. Every day is a jubilee, and every moment, an ecstasy. I tell you, I hath not seen, nor ear heard. On one memorable occasion, it was mentioned by our brother Victor, he and Bill, they took a journey to a small satellite town, about 30 kilometers from Manaus. And this middle-aged lady that Victor described, who had been a former victim of leprosy, she met Bill at the clinic, saw him, rushed forward, embraced him with an absolute bone crusher of a hug, and cried, Dr. Jill Yermi. She continued to explain to a very now nervous Mr. Maxwell, with a radiant smile on her face, a tear drooping from her eye, for me, this man is an angel from heaven. I was blind for nine years, and he gave me back my sight again. Every day I thank God for sending this man to Brazil. Well, the Belfast boy who went to Brazil and performed numerous operations on people to restore their sight, he is now gazing in the presence of the literal angels of God on new and splendid sights that are infinitely better 
than any of those patients on whom he operated in Brazil ever saw when their sight had been restored. The eye surgeon himself cannot now believe his eyes. With perfect vision, he is gazing on the perfect Christ. Just as we read in Job, Job 19 to verse 25 to 27, Job says, My Redeemer liveth, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold and not another. Isaiah tells us in chapter 33 and verse 17, Thine eyes shall see the King in His beauty. And that is what Dr. Bilm is doing today. I have not seen, nor ear heard, what he is witnessing right now. Again, here on earth we can get no real idea, not only of the splendor of heaven, but of the society of heaven. The society of heaven. The Daily Mail carried story some time ago about two pairs of childhood sweethearts and the stage that they brought them together for a meal again and to reminisce over the past events that had happened in their lives. They've lived separate, different lives for 20 and 26 years respectively. Now, while none of the four gathered that day regretted the lives that they had lived or the partners that they had eventually married, since they themselves had affectionate encounters with each other way back in their teenage years, they were delighted to meet up with one another again and muse over times gone by. What will our joy be like when we have passed through the sea of death to meet in that bright city of heaven, those from whom for so long we have known a parting. Oh, what a meeting there in the skies. No tears or crying shall dim our eyes. Loved ones united eternally. Oh, what a daybreak that morn shall be. After you and I have been separated from our friends, maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years, and then suddenly we come upon them again, and we were noticing the changes. The hair has changed. Maybe it's gone completely. The wrinkles have invaded their faces, and we're saying, ah, you've changed. But when we stand before the throne of God, all anxieties wiped from the face, all marks of sorrows erased, all those lost teeth and hair replaced again, and feeling the joy that is throbbing through that blessed land, I think we'll say to one another with an exultation that we can't even now imagine how you've changed. In this world we meet only to part. It is goodbye. Goodbye. We hear it at the harbor. It's spoken at the airport. Goodbye. Sometimes we say it in a light way. Goodbye because we know we're going to meet them again sometime pretty soon. Other times, anguish, squeezing our soul like we squeeze a sponge and we're breaking down under the weight of that particular painful goodbye. This congregation waved goodbye to Bill Woods. In 1959, as he left here for the Amazon, Dazzy waved him off from Belfast Harbor, as has been mentioned, God be with you till we meet again, was sung, and also take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. He will 
grace and comfort give you. Take him there, wherever you go. And he took Jesus to Brazil. And he preached him every time he had opportunity. But those people knew. There's a good chance we'll see Bill again. And from time to time they did see him. Although we know Brazil was written in his heart. In fact, I think his heart was shaped like the country of Brazil. But then we had to say a more substantial goodbye to him on the 6th of November of this year. And we knew it may be some time before we'll meet you again. And I trust all of us will meet him again. But while it's goodbye here, not so in heaven. Welcomes in the air in heaven. Welcomes at the gates. Welcomes through the house of the many mansions. But no good buys. By now, our brother Bill has been engaged in some remarkably blessed reunions with family and friends and all of those who were used by God to be a huge influence on his own life and then particularly to direct him under God to go out to the mission field that was Brazil. Dr. Paisley is pastor under whose powerful preaching he came to personal faith in Christ on the 20th of July of 1952. Jesse Munn already mentioned one of a family of those missionary sisters, for it was as a result of her pointed appeal, is there a young man here who would be prepared to surrender his life to Jesus Christ and go to serve him on some mission field that Bill is sitting there thinking, I could and probably should be that young man. This is Ina Orr, one of the missionaries to leave this church only to survive a number of weeks in Brazil's interior, but inspired Bill to travel to that land, fill up the gap, fall in love with Brazil, minister for Christ there. Molly Harvey, whose impressive challenge, using an oil lamp that she's emphasizing that night, how one small lamp can make a massive difference when everything around it is just sheer darkness. And that caused Bill Wood's mind to spring into life again and determine, I will be that one small lamp that will shine in the darkness. One by one, their seats were emptied. One by one, we go away. Soon all of us who were saved by Christ, we will be all over. How many of your loved ones, your friends, influences on your life are already entered into that blessed place? It is graves here and coffins here and hearses here. We're well aware that Dr. Bill Woods left this life highly decorated by the Brazilian, by the British governments, including that OBE from Her Majesty the Queen Elizabeth II, given to him in 1997. However, we also know with typical modesty and humility how Bill said, I very much appreciate these words and all of these awards, but would prefer to hear my heavenly Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. And those are the words he heard on Monday, the 6th of November, 2023. I imagine when a soul arrives in heaven, some angel takes it around to show the wonders of that blessed place, and the usher angel, if we can term it that, says to the newly arrived, there are the martyrs 
who perished at the stake in England and in Scotland and all over Europe. Those are the ones torn to pieces during the Inquisition. This is a throne of the great Jehovah. This is Jesus to stand in His presence. That will be heaven. To put her hand in the hand that was wounded for us on the cross, to mingle with all the groups of the redeemed, to shake hands with the prophets and the apostles and the martyrs and with their own dear loved ones who were gathered on the other side. That is a wonderful reunion. We cannot fully imagine it now. Our loved ones seem so far away. When we're in trouble and lonely, we want to speak to them. They don't come to us. Unbelief whispers, ah, but they're dead and they'll never live again. But we have a Bible that tells us differently. We open it and we find they are certainly not annihilated, that they never were as much alive as they are now, that they're only waiting for our coming and that we shall join them when we too cross the other side of that river. Fabulous reunion. We cannot grasp it now. I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I say again, in this world, we get very little idea of the splendor of heaven, the society of heaven, the song of heaven, the song of heaven. In the Battle of Waterloo, the Scots Highlanders were giving way. Wellington discovered that the bands of music had stopped playing, and he sent a quick dispatch out telling them to play with the utmost fervor a military march. The music started, that battle march rang out, the Highlanders rallied, boldly they marched on until they secured victory that day. I think we all appreciate the power that is in martial music, and there is nothing more inspiring to me than a whole congregation lifted up on the wing of some sacred song, and when we turn to and sing some of those dear old tunes, they stir up the old memories of the past. They were sung, you see, by our mothers, sung by our fathers, sung by our brothers and sisters, sung by our grandfathers and grandmothers, but they're gone now. Bill Woods once quipped at the beginning of his own musical career as a church organist, and that was up the road in White Abbey, that my repertoire is limited to playing three hymns. And we always had to sing, every meeting we convened, shall we gather at the river, pass me not. He couldn't remember the third one, but there was a third one. And he did speak as well about the fantastic singing that he enjoyed, and everyone did, in the old Ravenhill down the road. When I hear those old songs sung, Amazing grace, blessed assurance, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, redeemed, how I'd love to proclaim it. It seems as if all of those old country meeting houses are joining together in the chorus until the whole continent is lifting up the doxology. When generals come back from victorious wars, we have a victory parade. We cheer them on enthusiastically. And when Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, the great captain of our salvation, when he passes along in the conquest of this earth, for unto him every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father, shall we not have for him one loud ringing cheer all Heal the power of Jesus' name. 
Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem, and crown Him Lord of all. But if music on earth is so sweet, what will it be like in heaven? David on his harp will be there. Gabriel on his trumpet will be there. Germany redeemed will be pouring its deep guttural bass voice into the song of salvation. Brazil will contribute with its various and beautiful uplifting sounds. And Africa will be coming in, adding to the music with her inimitable voices. I wish even now we could anticipate that song. And I wish in our hymns we could catch just an echo that's slipping out of those gates of glory. How beautiful heaven must be. God grant that through the rich mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, all of us may get there. How do we get there? There is only one way. It's not your way. It's not my way. It's nothing to do with my or your efforts or own supposed goodness because we're all full of sin, every single one of us. We can do nothing should we live a whole lifetime trying to do. We can do nothing to earn the favor of God. Our Lord tells us categorically, Ephesians 2 and 9, it is not of works. And two and eight, it is all of grace, so it's all of God. A to Z, salvation is by Him. And it's by the way that is pointed out by Him in this His holy book. Jesus said, John 14 and 6, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ, He is the only Savior, now and forever, through Him alone. God is revealed and heaven is reached. Someday, my earthly house will fall. I cannot tell how soon it will be. But this I know, my all in all, has now a place in heaven for me. Someday when fades the golden sun beneath the rosy-tinted west, my blessed Lord will say, well done, and I shall enter into rest. And I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. And I shall see him. That's what Bill lived for. That's why he preached Christ to others. That they would see him, Jesus Christ, face to face and tell the story saved by grace. Amen. Please turn with me now to the closing hymn. The hymn we have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. If you hope, if you wish, if you long to be in heaven where Dr. Bill Woods is right now, then you need to understand only the Lord Jesus Christ can save your soul. Only Christ. I just want to mention to you that light refreshments have been prepared on the upper level at the back of the Martyrs Church for all who have time to wait behind. So please keep that in mind. We will sing the closing hymn and then after we have completed the hymn, the Reverend Ron Johnson will close our service in prayer.
let us bow in prayer, please. Lord, I thank thee for the privilege my wife and I and many others had of ever meeting and knowing and fellowshipping with Bill Woods. Lord, I thank thee for that time, being able to drive him and travel with him in Africa and see those Christ-like graces even manifested in his life. Lord, in this service, we've experienced the truth of thy word, the memory of the just is blessed. And we ask that as we have remembered Bill's Christ-like character and service, would we would be challenged to follow Bill as he followed Christ. And we praise thee for that life lived for thee. Lord, we've been reminded even in the message that thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And we pray that as we would leave this service today, may we leave more committed to the extension of thy kingdom, more confident in thy power to enable us to live for thee, and more concerned to exalt thy glory. Bless these good things that have been provided, and may the fellowship of those who are able to remain be sweet and profitable. And then, Lord, as we go our different ways, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest, remain, and abide upon each one of you and upon all whom you love, both now and forevermore. Amen. Just again to emphasize, there is tea yeah, for everybody upstairs in the Jubilee Hall, so you can make your way through these doors, or if those are going outside, can come back in again. And there are a couple of lifts there and stairs, and just go as high as you can. Press button two in the lift, keep going in the stairs until you're at the top. And uh, there is tea, light refreshments, light refreshments for everybody. And uh, we hope you do take time and stay uh, because otherwise that'll be a lot of food that is uh, gone to waste. So please um, do if you can. I know it'll be a challenge. We have our service at half six, and you'll be spinning off to yours. But if you can remain for a little time, please do. Thank you. <laughs>